and welcome back to another Dreary Fan Fiction reading. Today I'm going to be reading chapters 25 through 27 of Seven Steps by Dorothy Ann on Archive of Our Own, or alternatively Dorothy Ann Dreary on Wattpad. If you haven't seen the previous episodes, I highly recommend you do so, that way you're all caught up with the story. And now without further ado, please enjoy. Chapter 25 Breakfast was about enough to feed ten people, and included every single vaguely breakfast sort of food that Suppy knew how to make. Draco did his best not to react, but Harry glanced at him curiously as they sat down. No, this isn't normal, Draco said. Suppy just gets excited about feeding new people. All of your house elves are a bit strange. House elves are strange in general, Draco said. Harry tore off the corner of a croissant and popped it into his mouth. Scoot? Draco sat beside him and grabbed a chocolate croissant. Try and refrain from talking with your mouth full when we eat with Mother. We're eating with your mum? Harry asked. Draco winced. I might have forgotten to mention, she wants us to have dinner with her tonight. Harry swallowed hard and put on a game face. Any tips? Don't eat with your hands. Harry gave him a look. Like what fork to use? The one next to your plate, I would imagine, Draco said and shook his head. It's not a formal dinner party, you dope. There's probably only going to be three or four courses at the most. Not fancy at all, then, Harry said sarcastically. Draco resisted chucking the rest of his croissant at Harry's head, but only because he wanted to eat it. Hogwarts has anywhere from five to eight courses at every meal. The only difference is that it all comes at once. I suppose. It's still pretty different, though, on account of it being dinner with your mum, Harry said. She doesn't bite, Draco said. She's very intense, though. Draco conceded reluctantly. There are times. Draco! Pansy shouted out from the hall. Fury carried in her every footfall. I can't believe you let me sleep in this dress. It's chiffon. She flung the door open, stomping inside, a badly crumpled dress in one hand. If you think I'm going to trust one of your elves to clean- She went entirely still at the sight of Harry. Draco said, I was a bit drunk at the time and didn't- What's he doing here? Pansy asked. Draco hesitated. Harry came last night. No. Pansy cut him off. To see me? What? Nope. I'm not- No. No. Pansy held up a hand. I can't. Not now. She turned on her heel and marched out of the room. Harry broke the silence. What was that about? Draco blinked. Specifically at that moment, I haven't a clue. She doesn't particularly like you, so it might have just been your face. Harry shoved him half-heartedly. You're the one who ruined her dress. It isn't ruined. She's just being dramatic, Draco said. Harry started putting together a proper plate of food. Is it about her saying I should be handed over to Voldemort? Because I don't care about that, and I've never talked to the press about it. Don't talk to them at all if I can help it. Draco knew exactly why she didn't like Harry and had no interest whatsoever in bringing it up. He just shrugged. Harry handed Draco the plate. Here, 
I still want to see your old room, and it's past noon as it is. Draco took a bite of quiche, even as his appetite vanished. Draco led the way through the hall and down the stairs, back into the main hall and across the ringing marble tiles to the large dark door sealed with wards. He took a deep breath as he drew his wand, changing the ward's signature to allow them through and opening the doors with another charm so he wouldn't have to touch them. Your old room is on the other side of the house? Harry asked. Draco barely glanced to see the furrow on Harry's brow. Yes. He didn't let himself hesitate and only shuddered slightly as they went through the wards. The change wasn't immediately noticeable. The shadows were a little deeper, and there was a chill in the air that made his hair stand up on his arms. Draco knew that over time the shadow seemed to fill every corner, and the chill couldn't be warmed by the hottest fire or charm. Their footfalls were muffled by a faded carpet runner, its colors gone to shades of grey. The portraits on the wall clung with cobwebs, their occupants missing. Motes of dust floated on narrow slits of light between the closed heavy brocade curtains, kicked up into swirling patterns as they passed. Harry drew closer to Draco without seeming to realize it, nearly matching him shoulder to shoulder as they entered the family wing. Draco stopped at a small door halfway down, easing the knob open with a faint click and stepping inside. He quickly shut the door as soon as Harry was inside. There was a distinct lack of dust in the room that indicated Kipper was still cleaning it regularly, but all the cleanliness in the world couldn't hide the stale, stagnate feeling about the place. It's... Harry looked around. It's not what I was expecting, I guess. What were you expecting, then? Harry touched one of the four posters of Draco's old single bed. Well, bigger, for a start. This one's half, even less than your room now, he said. Draco looked over packeted bookshelves of stories and adventures, read until dog-eared and soft, a chest full of old stuffed toys and dolls, Figures of Quidditch players and magical animals displayed on shelves. Posters of his favorite Quidditch teams adorned the walls and the small desk set in front of the window. The wood stained with ink and the scratched doodles of a child bored of their lessons. The room was small but full of everything a boy could ever want, provided he whined enough. A boy should have a boy's room, Draco said. A man earns his place. Harry paused and gave Draco a quizzical look. It's a Malfoy tradition, Draco said as he charmed the curtains open and filled the room with light. Harry wandered around looking at all the different toys and knickknacks. He touched one of the many figures displayed on one of the many shelves and grinned as it started moving. Draco sat on the edge of the bed. You were spoiled rotten, Harry said. Did you really expect anything different? Draco asked, pressing a quelling hand on his knee to try and stop it from nervously bouncing. I guess not, Harry said, tapping the little Quidditch figure and sending it flying in a circle around him. Did your parents ever say no to anything? I think they just avoided taking me to shops whenever possible, Draco said. If I asked for something completely ridiculous, Mother would buy something reasonably similar to it and try to placate me. It never worked. I threw an embarrassing number of tantrums. Harry had managed to get the entire team of Quidditch figurines going all looping around like he was a massive goal hoop. Explains a lot, he said grinning, his eyes following the tiny seeker as it chased a golden snitch the size of a pea. 
You threw a few tantrums at school, with what you tried to do to Buckbeak. Draco slid off the bed, kneeling in front of the small bookcase beside the bed, running his fingers along the spines. He pulled out the young wizard Wallace and the mysterious magical milady, and flipped towards the end where he had marked his favorite part. It was where Wallace discovered that the spirit of his great Aunt Lucinda in the basement was the source of the mysterious curse, and had to banish her with a powerful spell he'd found in a locked box in the attic. Of course, the locked-away spell ended up being a problem all in its own that had to be solved in the next book. He set the book on the bed. That wasn't a tantrum. What? Draco took out a few of his other old favorite books, along with the first three volumes of A Young Wizard's Guide to Growing Up. It wasn't a tantrum. I knew what I was doing. I wanted to be fond over, and it was the most attention my father— He broke off and pointedly flipped through the fourth volume of Amelia Enchanted. Now I know that he just used the Hippogriff incident to gain power and discredit the headmaster. He shook his head. I got quite a lecture about how I should have known better than to put myself in harm's way to begin with. Draco stared blankly at the books in his hands, brushing his thumb over a faded cover, the gold leaf embossing nearly gone. Harry plucked the Quidditch players out of the air one by one and replaced them on the shelf. It seems like it's been a while since anyone's been here. He must have moved just before school started. Right after the war ended, Draco said quietly. He cleared his throat. This is the first time I've been back here. Harry looked around the room with a faint frown. Why? Draco stood and went over to the door, pausing his hand on the handle and gesturing for Harry to come over before he opened it. He leaned back against the doorframe and pointed to the end of the hall. The room at the end. Yeah? Harry said, stepping out into the hallway to see. That was the master bedroom. It was my parents' bedroom. Riddle took it when he moved in, Draco said, his voice quiet and flat. My parents moved to the rooms adjacent. He pointed to the first door on the right after the room at the end of the hall. Bellatrix took the rooms opposite, and then there was Dolohov, Avery, Pettigrew. He went down the line, each door he pointed at drawing closer to his own. Harry stared down the dark hallway. Most of them had homes of their own, but they would stay here during meetings, Draco said. He pointed at one more door, behind Harry, right across the hall from Draco's room. That was Greyback's room. Harry turned. Draco told Harry's back. As my father lost favor, there was more and more talk of punishment. Any chance he got, Greyback would tell Riddle that he should be allowed to bite me and then lock my parents and I in a room on the full moon, so either I would kill them or they would be forced to kill me. I think he was considering it near the end. Harry slowly turned back to Draco, his jaw clenched so tight Draco could see the muscles jumping under his skin. The moment Riddle took the master bedroom and moved all of his people in here, in the family wing, we... I should have realized we had no... Draco, Harry said. Draco blinked rapidly, anxiously clearing his throat. I know it's nothing compared to what you went through. <laughs> he nearly laughed. You're probably the only person in the world I could say that to. Harry took Draco's hands in his. You're shaking. I'm fine, Draco said, trying to sound unaffected and failing quite badly. After all, there's nothing here anymore. 
Harry wrapped his arms around Draco and held him tightly until his shaking ceased. He cupped Draco's face and brushed his hair back. Let's get out of here, all right? Draco nodded. He picked up his pile of books and impulsively took the secret toy as well, shrinking them and putting them in his pocket. Harry closed the door behind them, taking Draco's hand and leading them the way back. Chapter 26 Well, that was awful, Draco grumbled as the doors closed behind them. He cast a cleaning charm on himself and still couldn't resist the urge to wipe his hands off on the bottom of his jumper. Sorry. Oh, don't, Draco said. He took Harry's hand and pulled him across the hall. Come on, I want to show you my favorite places. He took Harry to his study first, seeing as it was the least impressive and one always had to build up to a good finale. His study had two entire walls of bookshelves on the right and left that he hadn't quite managed to fill yet. The wall across from the door was made up entirely of windows looking out into the rose gardens. He had a brewing station set up on the back wall. His desk was pushed up to the windows, unusually neat because he had packed up most of his notes to go back to school. This is my study, Draco said. I spent nearly half the summer here. It's great, Harry said, and looked out the windows. It's beautiful when the roses are in bloom. Harry nodded, glancing over the bookshelves and desk lingering at his potions table and a sheaf of hastily screwed notes that Draco had yet to organize. This is where you brew everything? Yes, there's a brewing lab in the Undercroft, but, well, it's creepy as fuck down there, Draco said, and smiled when he managed to get a laugh out of Harry. He took Harry to the greenhouse next. These are the potion beds, he gestured to the long line of raised beds along the walls. They hadn't been used for, well, ages. I spent weeks getting them into working order. You never seemed that keen about herbology before, Harry said. It's not about the plants. It's about ensuring a certain level of quality in my brewing ingredients, Draco said, pulling Harry to the tables. Most of these are samples from my great-uncle's expeditions. He stopped in front of the fleetest fern. These ferns produced the sap that put you back to sleep last night. It has a sedative effect, Harry said. I remember. It's extremely potent. That vial of blue liquid is a tenth of a single droplet dissolved in distilled spirits purified by the moonlight. It not only puts you to sleep with fewer side effects, it also makes you feel calmer, which lasts about half a day. If I can just figure out how to isolate the calming effect, I could make a new calming potion. A better one. One that doesn't make you feel numb and disoriented. I think of... I... You've? Harry asked with a smile that made Draco feel entirely off-balance. Draco had to drag his eyes away from Harry before he would even trust himself to speak. I have some ideas on it, he managed. What sort of ideas? Harry asked. Draco frowned at him. You don't care. I do, Harry said. You've never cared about potions, Draco shot back. You probably care about divination more than potions. Yeah, well, I would care if our potions professors taught like you do, Harry said. Draco did his best to maintain his glare even as his face heated up, but at the very least Harry looked just as embarrassed. Well, it's true, Harry nervously pushed his hand through his hair. Um, so this is what you're going to do after school? 
After... Draco repeated haltingly. Yeah, like work, inventing potions and research and stuff, Harry asked. I... I hadn't really thought about it. Draco shook his head. I just... I have to stay here until my mother's house arrest is finished. I couldn't leave her alone in this place. I hadn't really thought beyond that. But if you figure out that calming potion, it could really help people. I mean, even a better sleeping potion would be amazing, Harry said. Draco blinked. No one would buy it. I'm pretty sure a lot of people would be interested in those sorts of potions, Harry said, with a mixture of confusion and excitement. If I could keep my name out of it, I suppose it might work, Draco said with a thoughtful frown. And of course, I don't care about profits, so I can sell them fairly cheap. The look on Harry's face said he hadn't remembered there was a great deal Draco just couldn't do. Not anymore. Oh, I forgot about all of that, Harry said. It'll take years anyway, maybe even longer than that. Perhaps public opinion will soften by then, Draco said, channeling an unbecoming level of optimism. Harry quirked a lopsided smile. It's just, you remind me of Hermione, when you talk about something you really care about. It seems like you can do anything you put your mind to. Perhaps I can, Draco said, lifting his chin slightly. He walked down the line of tables, stopping beside a planter full of small cacti, their long spines twitching in his direction. I might just change the world. You're at real risk of being a good person if you do that, Harry teased. I'm only doing it out of spite so it doesn't count, Draco said. Harry laughed. He walked up the aisle after Draco, and Draco kept a few steps ahead, walking backwards with a grin. I bet Neville would love this place, Harry said. He did. Longbottom visited before Christmas. A bit sad, him visiting me before my boy- The word caught in his throat, and Draco quickly rephrased, Before you managed it. Neville came here? The Neville Longbottom? Harry asked. Draco raised an eyebrow. As opposed to any other Neville Longbottom? Harry grinned. Tons of them around, you know. Draco rolled his eyes, fighting down a smile. Draco stopped at the door to the conservatory, giving Harry just enough time to catch up with him and loop his arms around Draco's neck. Draco stumbled back, his back pressing against the cool glass, condensation soaking into his jumper. He glared at Harry, who was far too busy grinning endearingly. Draco sighed and slipped his hands around Harry's waist. He resolutely did not smile, which seemed to amuse Harry, and allowed Harry to kiss him. And then, he quite forgot to be annoyed at all. There's one more place I want to go, Draco said, opening the door at his back and stepping through it into the conservatory. It was warm and light, the scent of flowers and soil perfuming the air. This is the conservatory. It's always been my favorite place in the entire house. Harry looked around as they slipped between all the plants to the sitting area. Did we go around the outside of the house, in the cold, without jackets, to the greenhouse when we could have just come all this way? And spoil the impact? I think not, Draco said, dropping down onto the couch. Harry stared at him flatly. Come sit. Draco patted the small couch. We woke a little late for lunch, but I thought we could have tea to tide us over until dinner. 
You're impossible. Harry shook his head as he joined Draco. Draco ignored him and called, Kipper! Kipper appeared a few moments later and bowed. Tea, young master? Yes, with some light finger foods, Draco said. Kipper bowed and tromped off. So, why is this your favorite place in the whole house, young master? Harry asked. Draco narrowed his eyes. As far as nicknames went, and he had quite a lot of bad ones, it wasn't the worst, but... Only Kipper calls me that, and I'm fairly certain he only does it to be a little shit. A bitchy little grin grew on Harry's face. Draco rolled his eyes. Harry asked again. So, what's special about this place? It's lovely, Draco said. It's nice, Harry said, craning his neck up to look through the glass panel stretching up the wall and halfway across the ceiling, showing the sharp winter blue sky. Is that all, though? My mother spent a lot of time here when I was young, Draco said. I have a lot of fond memories of this place. Harry said, You never talk about him. Is it because of me? Him? Your father, Harry said. Just because I don't like him doesn't mean you can't talk about him. Draco pulled his feet up on the couch, turning sideways so he could reach the hanging planter behind them and trace the petals of the small white flower. Then you'll be pleased to know that I'm not sure how I feel about him anymore. He's family, Harry said, and then winced at his own words. Draco said, He always said that family was the most important thing in the world, and then he almost got us all killed. It seemed like you really cared about him when you were younger, Harry said, resting an arm over the back of the couch. I idolized him. I wanted to grow up to be just like him, but I was never good enough, Draco said. There was a rattle of china as tea appeared on the table, and Draco turned back around, pouring two cups of tea, adding the milk, and twice as much sugar into his own cup. He took a sip inside, looking over the small plates with their small offerings. How? Harry asked, pulling Draco out of his thoughts. You're right after Hermione in scores most of the time, and an amazing seeker. You were Slytherin's little prince. Draco smiled bitterly but I was supposed to be top of the class and win every game and be the most popular in the entire school. I couldn't even manage one thing right. Everything was so much easier before school, when there was no one for him to compare me to. It's better than nothing, Harry said quietly. He plucked at a loose thread on the couch, eventually looking up and meeting Draco's gaze. I feel like I've been prying a lot today, and maybe I shouldn't have. You know I like the attention. Draco said, especially from you. Harry flushed. Draco smiled. He pulled a handful of shrunken books from his pocket and carefully sorted through them with his fingertip. Anyway, I probably still know more about you than you know about me. What? Harry's brow furrowed. From the papers and from watching you for six years, although most of that information was gathered with the intent of using it against you, Draco said. Oh, really? I hadn't noticed, Harry said sarcastically. He had a sip of tea and tried a few of the little bite-sized sandwiches. Draco plucked out a book, resizing it and putting the rest away. 
Have you read The Amazing Enchanted Amelia? Harry shook his head. I haven't had the chance to read much wizarding fiction other than Beetle the Bard. It was one of my favorites growing up, Draco said. He popped a smoked salmon sandwich into his mouth, absentmindedly brushing his fingers off on his trousers as he settled back on the couch and opened the book to the first page. You'll like this one, I'm certain. Amelia is impossibly impulsive, nosy, and reckless. There's another word for that. I think it's called being brave, Harry said. You would call it that. That's why I said you'd like it. Draco cleared his throat meaningfully before Harry could interrupt him and started reading. Amelia was an ordinary sort of girl, with an ordinary sort of house at the end of an ordinary street. She had fairly ordinary parents and went on all sorts of rather ordinary outings, except for one in particular. This outing had the effect of making Amelia's ordinary life quite extraordinary. Amelia reached her hand out, as she willed and wished and wanted with all her heart. If being enchanted was good for anything, it had to help her now when things were most dire. Draco flipped to the next page. He kicked one leg idly, slung over the arm of the small couch, his head resting on Harry's lap as Harry carted his fingers through Draco's hair. But Caroline kept falling further and further from Amelia's reach. Harry's hand froze until the darkness below had nearly swallowed her whole. Without thinking, Amelia jumped after her. Draco heard Harry hold his breath and grinned up at him over the top of the book. Wait, what happens? Don't stop, you ass, Harry said irritably. Draco continued. The ravine was quite a bit deeper and quite a bit darker than Amelia had ever suspected, deep enough and dark enough that she could almost forget there was a bottom but there was Caroline to save and no time at all to be scared. She furrowed her brow and tried to make her magic work. She tried and tried as the darkness spoke of sharp stone bottoms and her eyes pricked with tears. Just as all hope was about to be lost, her hand began to glow, and below them, threads of blue light began crisscrossing the ravine, filling the gap like a bramble thicket. The threads snapped as Amelia fell through them, her fall slowing a little bit with each one until she stopped altogether, just a few inches above the floor. Harry let out a breath of relief, his fingers moving through Draco's hair once more. Amelia quickly stood and tore through the threads, already dissolving, and called out, Caroline! Caroline, are you there? Caroline, are you okay? Before she could call out again, Caroline burst through the last of the magic and they hugged each other with all their strength. You've saved us, Amelia, Caroline said. But how shall we ever get out of here? Draco paused, turning the page and taking a moment to reach over for one of the last cucumber sandwiches. Just so you know, even I wouldn't jump into a bottomless ravine, Harry said. Draco perfunctorily licked a smear of cream cheese off his finger. Bollocks. I wouldn't. If it were Granger or Weasley and there was no time for anything else, you very much would, Draco said. Harry frowned at him but didn't actually disagree. Draco smirked. Wizards still manifest wild magic in cases of mortal peril, even into old age, so it would be fine. Probably. So Amelia's just a normal witch then? Harry asked. Not quite. 
The enchantment or curse or whatever caused by the amulet lets her use her wild magic almost as easily as casting with a wand. Near the end of the series, she's so adept with it, it's practically wandless casting. Draco lifted the book. That's the appeal, isn't it? Being able to use magic before you're allowed to or even supposed to be able to do so? And better than adults most of the time, Harry said. Draco nodded. Not that it takes much. Adults in these sort of books tend to be as dim as flopper worms. Adults in the real world aren't much better, Harry said ruefully. Keep going? I want to know how they get out. Draco scanned the page to find his place, but before he could start reading again, the door opened, and Pansy entered. Pansy, in a black pencil skirt, black nails and lipstick, sharp black stiletto heels, and a blood-red silk shirt. Draco sat up. Your mother's looking for you, Pansy said. Her gaze never left Harry. Draco blinked and stood, setting the book aside. Since when do you have stilettos? He asked a bit stupidly. Draco? Harry stood up behind him, sounding uncertain. Draco went over to Pansy. What are you- Your mother, Pansy said, a stubborn set to her jaw that Draco rarely saw but knew she meant she was serious. Potter and I will just have a little chat while you're gone. Draco didn't move until she looked at him. Just a chat? He asked quietly. I promise, Pansy said. Draco sighed and glanced back at Harry. I'll be right back. Draco stepped outside and eased the door shut. He knew Pansy would wait until she heard him leave, and would yell at him if he didn't. Which luckily gave him time. He quickly slipped his shoes off and charmed them to walk without him, the marble tiles on the floor ringing like a bell and Draco followed a step behind in stockinged feet. He stopped at the next room, casting a small silencing spell and pressing his ear to the cool plaster. Gone, Pansy said. What's this about? Harry asked warily. I have something to say to you, so I'd appreciate if you would shut up and listen, Pansy said. If this is... I will silence you, Pansy cut him off with a snap. Harry grumbled something under his breath. Pansy took a deep breath. In sixth year, you almost killed Draco. I didn't know- Silencio! Pansy yelled. Draco winced. Pansy's charm work was brutal when she was angry. Pansy took a few deep breaths. In sixth year, you almost killed Draco, and I don't care what you thought you were doing. You did it, and you pretend like it never happened. Draco was immensely glad he was not involved in this. There was the tap-tap of the heels on the tiles. Draco's too much like his mother. He's never going to make you apologize. He might forgive you, so I won't. I won't forgive you for him. I'll hate you forever if I have to. Pansy paused and sniffed indignantly. So apologize to him. If you do, I'll consider tolerating you. Draco heard her cross the room and the door handle clicked but didn't open. And never hurt him again, Pansy said coldly. The door opened and closed. Draco stood up and ran back to the door, slowing down and straightening his jumper before stepping outside. Pansy turned at the sound of Draco stepping quietly into the hallway and rolled her eyes. You heard everything? 
She held up a hand as she walked over to him. No, never mind, of course you did. Draco shrugged one shoulder. Did you take the silencing charm off? What do you think? Pansy asked. No. Correct. Draco hesitated. You didn't have to do that. Yes, I did, Pansy said. It's okay, really, Draco protested. Pansy shook her head, her expression caught between exasperation and disbelief. You and your mother, you'd forgive the world for the people you love. Draco flushed. Love? I don't... Pansy pressed her hand against his chest, shoving him without much force and leaving it there. Shut up, Draco, she said quietly. Listen, you have to be careful or you'll only get hurt. I won't, Draco said stubbornly. Pansy pushed him again. I won't. Pansy shook her head again and said, I need you to promise me something. What? Draco asked. Promise me, Pansy insisted. It's important. Draco studied her expression and conceded reluctantly. Okay. Promise me you won't apologize before he does, Pansy said. Draco looked down at the small hand pressed over his heart and at Pansy's earnest expression. He could feel touches of magic in the request, nothing formal but meaningful nonetheless. Draco sighed and put his hand over Pansy's. I promise. Good, Pansy said, and a beat later pulled her hand free. I'll see you tomorrow morning, then. Will Potter be coming back to school with us? I think so, Draco said. Pansy leaned down and pulled her stilettos off one at a time and sighed. I'll gird my lines, then. Draco frowned at her. You'll what? Pansy just lifted her heels up in a half-hearted wave as she padded past him in her stocking feet. Draco watched her for a beat, then went back to the conservatory. Chapter 27 When Draco got back to the sitting area, Harry was looking nervously pensive, elbows resting on his knees and staring into the middle distance. He glanced over at Draco when he dropped onto the couch beside him and tried to smile, giving up fairly quickly. I'll just take it that your discussion with Pansy went well then, shall I? Draco said sarcastically. Harry managed a slightly better smile. Brilliant, he said, not at all convincing. Draco snorted. Managed to get the silencing charm off then? I'm oddly impressed. I didn't know you had experience with wordless casting. A bit, Harry said, and I was rather angry. That helps things along. It also makes spells randomly explode, Draco said. I've always been rather lucky that way. Draco rolled his eyes. Harry took a deep breath. So I was thinking, if you had a pensive, I could show you where I grew up. Right now? Do we not have enough time? Harry asked. Draco fumbled out his pocket watch with a frown. A little over an hour. That'd be plenty, Harry said standing up. Draco stared at him. We don't have to... I mean, 
A place this big probably has a few pensives in it. Draco hesitated, squeezing his hands together. Draco? I know it was bad, Draco said. What? Harry said faintly. Wherever you grew up, Draco said. I know it was bad. How? No. Harry shook his head. Hermione and Ron and the Weasleys sort of know, but no one else does. No one. You never went home for the holidays. You never talked about any gifts or letters from them. You... Harry, you told me your favorite season is fall because it meant you got to come back to school. Draco said, his voice sounding too reedy in his own ears. Someone tried to kill you every Merlin damned year, including me. You didn't try to kill me, Harry interrupted. I could have crucioed you to death. Harry shook his head. Crucio doesn't kill, it can, Draco said grimly. It doesn't, I've seen it. Harry said, I've never heard of Crucio doing anything more than nerve damage and, and making people go insane. If they have a weak heart, I don't have a weak heart, Harry said. So? So it wouldn't have killed me, Harry said, adding almost as an afterthought. And you're shite at being evil. Draco glared at him. Plus, sixth year, I'd say being attacked by an inferi was a lot more dangerous, Harry said. Inferi? Wait, how? Draco shook his head. I don't think I want to know. Why do you ask to see where I grew up if you knew? Harry asked. Draco flinched. He crossed his arms over his chest. Because you asked to see my room? Not because you thought I wouldn't? Harry pressed with a worrying level of insight. Of course not. Do you have a pensive? Harry asked. Draco stared at Harry, and he stubbornly stared back. Draco slowly stood. You're certain about this? Positive, Harry said. Kipper, Draco called. Kipper appeared with a nearly silent apparition and bowed. Yes, young master? Please bring an empty pensive to my sitting room, Draco said. Right away, young master. Kipper bowed and apparated away. What happened to your shoes? Harry asked. Nothing, Draco muttered. Okay. Your room, then? Harry said. Draco nodded. I think I remember the way. Harry said, heading for the door. Draco reluctantly followed. Draco didn't like the memories of places. It was the stillness of them, like muggle photos but without even the silent staring of people to ease at least some of the uncomfortable emptiness. It was far too much like being trapped in a nightmare for his liking. Harry led the way up the tidy walk with its small front garden of neatly trimmed bushes and flowers. It was all leading to a rather unremarkable little house. The door swung open silently, and Harry stepped inside, holding it open for Draco to pass. There was a small kitchen, a dining room, and a ground-floor bathroom. In the sitting room, Draco recognized one of the televisions Pansy had described to him. The house was all very tidy, but something about it felt off. He looked around the rest of the ground floor, trying to pinpoint what it was, and at first he thought it might be the abundance of lacy frills and doilies. But it was more than that, and the feeling of unease was only growing. 
My room was upstairs, Harry said, breaking through the silence. Draco slowly made his way towards the stairs and stopped in front of a wall of photographs, filled with people that might as well have been caricatures for their extreme proportions. There was a thin, sharp, and unpleasant woman with blonde hair, and she was always standing with a rather large man, whose overflowing features were embedded with all his past glowers and scowls, so even when he smiled, he looked angry. Most of the photos were of a blobby young boy who seemed to take after his father in all of the worst ways. He reminded Draco of the worst of Vincent and Gregory, all wrapped up into one greasy human being. But there were no pictures of Harry, not even a small one, not even on the edges of the other photos or in the background. That was what was so wrong with this place. There was no sign of Harry anywhere. It could have been a stranger's house. Draco shivered and did his very best not to think about it. He had promised himself he wasn't going to fall apart here. Draco, you said we only have an hour, Harry said. Draco followed Harry up to the stairs to the second floor and proceeded to stick his head in every room. The largest bedroom was likely the master, the indents of the king-size mattress indicating that the large man took up two-thirds of it while his wife slept right on the edge. Draco wondered how she didn't fall off every night. "'How are they related to you again?' Draco asked. "'My aunt was my mother's sister,' Harry said flatly. "'All muggles?' Draco asked as he went to the next room, also quite large and overflowing with stuff. There were shelves of things and a desk with a television-like thing and another television on the stand with all sorts of other plastic muggle boxes and similar plastic that seemed to go into the other plastic.' There was hardly even room to breathe in the crowded room. This was your cousin's room? Draco hazarded. Yeah, Harry said. Is all this muggle plastic important? Draco asked. Harry sighed and scrubbed his hands through his hair. It's all just electronics. I highly doubt they do the same thing. They all look different, so they can't all have the same name, Harry. Draco said. Um... Except those two. Draco pointed to the screens. Why does the fat lump need two televisions? Harry looked surprised. Since when do you know anything about TVs? Draco smirked proudly. I learned quickly. TV is a shortening of television? Harry nodded. Yeah. As for the rest, um... He pointed to the gray screen. That's a computer, not a TV. Like, it doesn't have shows on it. You can use it to play games and write papers and make spreadsheets, I think. Dudley only played games, though. This one. He pointed to a long box with two mesh squares and tons of buttons in between. That's a stereo. It plays music, and these are cassettes, which have music on them. Uh, kinda like records. Wizards have records. Draco rolled his eyes. Very observant of you. In my defense, the magic bit of wizards is a lot more interesting, Harry said. What are those boxes, the ones that are attached to the TV by the black cords? Draco asked. Game systems, Harry said. Those cartridges play different games, and you use the controllers to move your character around. Why does he have so many? Draco asked. Surely you only need one. There are lots of different companies, and they have their own system and make different games, and Dudley hated to be left out of things, so he had to have them all. Are they fun? 
Drago asked. Harry shrugged. They looked fun. I wasn't allowed to play with them. Draco nodded. That added up with everything else he had seen so far. He got even more stuff the last few years I was here, but this is the last I remember it looking like, Harry added, leading the way down to the next room. There was an appallingly small bathroom, which apparently everyone had to share, followed by a smallish-sized guest room, which left only one door unopened, in the back corner of the hall. This was mine, Harry said, stepping inside. There was a bed and a dresser, no books, no posters, no toys, no clutter of any kind. Unlike the rest of the house, this was the only room that had a distinctly shabby second-hand feel, with scruffed paint and scores in the wood. It reminded Draco of a guest room, except the guest room had been nicer and bigger and decorated. It didn't seem like a place someone had lived, even for a day. Draco wrapped his arms around himself. I didn't really get on with my relatives, Harry said. So yeah, it wasn't great growing up here. It's like a prison cell, Draco said. It was only during the summer, and not usually the whole summer, Harry said with a shrug. Cold dread pooled in Draco's stomach. And where did you stay before school? What? It was only during the summer, you said. Where did you stay before then? Draco asked. Harry half-smiled, carefully avoiding his gaze. I didn't mean... This is my room. No, it's not, Draco hazarded, watching Harry's expression closely. He didn't miss the flicker of something, Draco didn't know what to call it, but it made his chest squeeze so painfully it hurt to breathe. Show me. Harry seemed to curl in on himself, shoulders bowing, back arching as he stuffed his hands into his pockets until he looked a picture of his eleven-year-old self. Please? Draco asked softly. Harry hardly blinked, turning on his heel and leaving the room. Draco followed silently behind as they walked down the hall, past every door and down the stairs. Harry swung round the banister and took a few steps, leaning down and unlatching a small door on the side of the paneled stairs. Draco reached his side as the door opened and saw a bare bulb hanging over the small thin mattress, the sheets going thin and gray from age, the blanket tatty and worn. Small broken toys sat on the exposed wood framework. Faded crayon doodles were still barely visible on the dark, unfinished wood. Draco stared for what felt like years before everything he was seeing finally sank in and filled his chest like molten lead. He jerked out of the memory with a gasp and backed away, turning to hide the tears streaming down his face. Harry stood more slowly. He rubbed his face and nearly knocked his glasses off. How long? Draco managed. Harry sighed. Till I was eleven. Didn't they know who you were? Draco asked, his voice shaking. He pressed his eyes closed to try and stop crying. He had so desperately not wanted to cry. Didn't they know how important you were? Harry let out a brittle, angry bark of laugh. They knew my parents were magic, and they hated everything to do with magic. Me, especially. Look, it doesn't matter. It's in- It's- Draco took a deep breath and opened his eyes, finding Harry staring at him with all the composure of a trout. He glared at Harry, 
even as he sniffed to keep his nose from running, tears dripping off his chin. It really doesn't matter, Harry said. Don't cry. I'll cry if I like, Draco snapped, squeezing out a few more tears out of spite. Harry stepped closer, his hands reaching out rather uselessly in front of himself, not managing to cross the last few inches to touch Draco. It's just... doesn't... Draco, you don't need to... He tripped over the words. To cry for me, I'm not... I'm fine. Of course I'm going to cry for the person I love. <laughs> sobbed ripped through Draco. Love. Pansy had been right. He had tried so hard not to. Harry edged closer, frantically searching Draco's face and managing nothing else like a great useless lump. What do I do? He asked weakly. Tell me what to do. Draco took Harry's hands and pressed them over his wet, flushed cheeks. Wipe my tears away. Tell me it will be okay. Tell me you're here. Tell me... Tell me anything. Anything. Harry brushed his thumbs over Draco's cheeks and kissed his forehead and then lightly kissed his tear-soaked eyelashes and the corner of his mouth before pulling Draco into a desperately tight hug. Draco pressed his face into Harry's shoulder and clutched at his awful jumper. He smelled like something sweet and earthy, and he was warm and strong. Draco took a few deep breaths, his tears slowly ebbing as he calmed down. The volatile mix of sadness and despair was slowly replaced with embarrassment and falling apart like a child in front of the last person on the planet he ever wanted to be in utter disaster in front of ever again. Thank you, Harry said quietly. For what? Getting snot on your jumper? Draco grumbled quietly. Harry laughed and squeezed him. He was quiet for a while. Draco could almost hear him thinking. I don't know, Harry said haltingly. I've never really told anyone, but I think I'm glad I told you. Draco bumped his forehead on Harry's shoulder. There's no way in all the nine hells that I'm a better choice than Weasley or Granger. I've always thought they'd try to murder the Dursleys if I told them. Draco snorted. They probably would, the morons. Hey, Harry chastised. It's the rushing in that's stupid, Draco said. A good plan requires time, and murder is far too quick. They need to suffer for, oh, say, 16 or 17 years or so. Harry released Draco from the wonderful hug and stepped back to study Draco like he could tell what he was thinking. Draco turned his head away. Merlin, don't look at me. I'm probably a blotchy mess. Harry bit his bottom lip, trying not to laugh. Draco spared him a glare, which did make Harry laugh, and hurried to the bathroom. The reflection that greeted him made him groan. His cheeks were blotched with pink, his eyes and nose were red, and his hair was a disaster. He splashed cold water on his face and pushed damp fingers through his hair to smooth out the worst of it. It's not that bad. I'm just funny because you're so annoyed, Harry said, leaning on the doorframe behind Draco. Draco shook his head at Harry's reflection. I have the ugliest crying face anyone has ever had the misfortune of seeing. Dunno. You've seen Neville cry, haven't you? Harry said with a grin. Draco rolled his eyes. 
when we were kids, yes. Now, he probably looked dignified and brave and all that bollocks. Harry snorted with amusement. Are you any good at glamours? Draco asked. I mean, I can do them, but... Harry said. Never mind, Draco said and drew his wand. I can hide the worst of it. You don't have to hide it, I mean. Draco rolled his eyes, but before he could answer, Kipper appeared beside Harry in the doorway, making them both jump. Dinner will be served in ten minutes, Kipper said. Tell Mother we might be late, Draco said. Kipper bowed and headed for the door. Draco spun away from the sink. And don't tell her I've been crying. Kipper paused, raising his eyebrows just high enough that Draco could see his dark, mournful eyes. Of course not, young master. I will always keep your confidences. It is my duty. I yes, Draco said, feeling guilty. Of course. I'm sorry for doubting you. You should doubt. Elves are not to be trusted, Kipper said. Dobby was trustworthy. I'm sure a lot of house elves are trustworthy, Harry said. Kipper turned his gaze to Harry, his brows twitching together and shook his head at Harry. Kipper told Draco, Elves leave. Elves forget their loyalty and leave. Don't trust an elf. Draco hesitated and then asked something that had been bothering him since Kipper had returned. Kipper, were you the huddle leader of the Manorcroft? Did you give all of that up when you came back? Kipper clasped his hands together, squeezing them tight. It is Kipper's duty to be here. Kipper never should have left. Yes, you should. It was too dangerous here, Draco said. And I'm sorry. The young master has nothing to be sorry for, Kipper said, sounding alarmed. I'm sorry if you've been separated from your family, Kipper. Do you want to go back to them? I could free you if- Kipper does not want leaving, Kipper shouted, sounding panicky. Okay, all right, I won't then, Draco said quickly, thinking as fast as he could. What about visiting them? You have evenings off. I could give you leave to visit them. I- Tell Tulip and Seppi they can visit their old crofts as well. I should have thought of it before. Kipper wrung his hands, and Draco was certain he was going to refuse like he had all the other things Draco had arranged, but instead, he just said in a very small voice, The young master is kind, bowed and left. Draco leaned back against the sink and pressed his hands over his eyes before turning back to the mirror and doing his best to craft a glamour that would make him look less of a mess. He heard Harry walk closer and slip his arms around Draco's waist. We don't have to go to dinner, do we? Harry asked. I mean, you... You look... Like you could use a break. It's all Mother asked, and it's that last proper meal we can have together before I go back to Hogwarts. Draco said. He set his wand down and leaned into Harry. I could tell her you aren't feeling well, and have something sent up for you if you'd rather not go. No, it's not that, Harry said. I'll go. I very much hope you enjoyed this reading. 
If you did, be sure to check out some of the others I've done. A link to the fanfiction will be in the description. New videos, new, new, new stuff goes up every Wednesday and Friday. And if you want to see more like this, uh, leave a recommendation. I have a form. Um, if you want to say hi, you can send me an email. You can leave a comment. There's lots of stuff you can do. And um, yeah, I hate my family because they're always so fucking loud. Like, dude, you know how many, like, tens of minutes I have wasted because of them? Because they're stomping around and the dog's barking. <sighs> Anyways, um, have a great day and I'll see you in the next one. Just disregard that. Don't let them see that. Um, bye! <laughs>